Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am your host, Mike Maroney. We got the gang all here: McLean, Jay, Tom, back for another episode. Finally, doing it on a uh, actually on a Monday night, uh, thanks to my schedule kind of freeing up. But uh, what's happening, boys? Um, I'm in the midst of just a uh, just a hellish time at my uh, place of employment. We uh, <laughs> today is today's day four of an eleven day stretch. Uh, we got member guests this week. It'll be a eighty to ninety hour week. So, yeah, let's get it, huh? I'm super gotta, pumped. Gotta love member guest week. Gotta love member guest week. This is my thirteenth one at the Foundry, and um, it is it is a fun week to an extent. It's a stressful week, but you know, it's uh doesn't help when we got outings on either side of it to true cap off the week but do you i know mike you you obviously there's a lot to plan and you got to organize all of your staff and get everybody ready to go but i mean do you kind of have fun member guests i mean it's it you know you get some you get all of your good members out there they get in the event and they enjoy golf and then they bring in some new new blood like i mean is it is it is it fun at all or are you just no no it's it, it there there's it is fun because we get a lot of the same members that play in it every year although now this year we have so many more members and so much more interest in playing golf. We have 40 teams on our wait list, but you see a lot of the same guests every year that play with a lot of these guys. They, they bring the same ones. So now I've seen some of these guests that come back to visit, you know, for 13 years now. So it is cool to see them. It, there's definitely parts that are fun. There's definitely parts that I hate to it. Um, and, and some years are better than others. You know, we've had a few rough ones here in the, in the past few years, cause we've been unlucky with weather, like seriously unlucky oh, yeah. with weather, like range, four-hour rain delay last year had to cut some holes down nobody wants to nobody no, wants to. no and all that kind of stuff is just the stuff that i i that's not in my control so it makes it even worse that i can't control it um because i feel like there are parts of this that i've done now 13 times that i have a little bit on cruise control and can do in my sleep but um that kind of stuff throws a wrench in it but anyway so it's member guest week at the foundry um we're gonna really look forward to next week so I'll be in a little better mood <laughs> next week when this is over. I'll be, I'll, I'm going to be hammered next week. Probably. I'm going to say that right now. Um, Cause the next, the next day after next Tuesday, I'm off and yeah, it could get ugly. I'll just uh, let the listeners know that now. Nice. So nice. Uh, that'll be our, our highest rated. Yeah. That's yeah. Right there. I might let you guys take the wheels from the whole hosting standpoint. And um, I'll play the drunk idiot on the other side. Yeah, we can do that. McLean, do you know anything about that? <laughs> How you doing? You still hung over? <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you know, we all make mistakes. It's uh, something I'm looking to recover from. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're here to not help. So <laughs> we're here to make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's much deserved after last week, quite frankly. So let's let's start right there. What's everyone's drink of choice tonight? McLean? Uh, the, world, the world's waiting. The world's Corona waiting. light sans fruit. Oh, I love oh. it. Taking it easy, taking it easy. Oh, Just here to enjoy, oh. enjoy the camaraderie. That's I will be, I will be that lame guy at the frat party. That's when I count how many beers you have. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, padded a couple, right? Man, yeah. I, I've had like fifteen beers. No, sir, had, I, I was counting. You had eighteen. He's had, he's had four. He's actually had four, but he's just trying to, you know. It's always a, it's always a couple. That's just it's stock yeah. in. Exactly. How many have you had? I had a couple. Couple. Yeah, couple. two or twelve. Two or twelve. Tom, what are you drinking? You know what, bud? I actually don't even have a drink right now. Don't add a bourbon. Had a couple beers earlier. It's been 
been a crazy day. Um, Katie's dad is is with us for for a few weeks, so getting him all set up and then organized at the house. Um, and I literally like blanked, and it was like eight fifteen. So I was like, oh crap. So, but that all being said, I'm sitting here really regretting my decision to not have one in front of me. <laughs> I know Jay does. I saw it. Um, I started with a Corona and popular choice, a good precursor. And now I've moved on to my staple, uh, Elijah Craig. Foolproof? Barrel proof? No, no, not just, just not, not barrel proof, just their, just their standard. Standard, uh, you know, I don't even know what the subtitle is on this, but yeah, single yeah. barrel. It's just single, they, they call it a small, small batch. batch. Small yeah, batch. I actually, I bought a bottle of that this weekend because of you, Jay, in last week's podcast. I the mean, part that I, the part that I remembered. Yeah, <laughs> you had to listen I, to that back though. I, I mean, I this 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 bourbon's my go-to. I mean, it's it's obviously relatively inexpensive and and but it's super good. Super good. So, yeah, here we are. Nice. Well, I am uh, drinking straight from the source here. Neat water. Wow. Yeah. In the world is going on. You know, it's a it's a long week. I got a long week ahead of me. I'm just trying to hydrate myself and keep myself, uh, you know, in tip top physical and mental shape for the week. Plus, I think we all have a little PTSD from last week. So let's be honest. Yeah. Well, well, and look, look how far this fell off from last week. Last week we had Bullet, we had uh, Jay had what a little Calame. No, that was Mike. You had the that yeah, was a couple Mike. weeks. I had I had the seltzer. I had what? what oh, that's yeah, right. Mike had the had the what what Tom had, gives to his uh, kids I had for Buffalo Trace. Oh, a Buffalo Trace. Yeah, and then now we we've got two Coronas and water and nothing. Um, that's that's awesome. I I did do a good job of. Uh, of hydrating today. I'm following in the footsteps of Tom Brady and TB12 diet. I tried to get one ounce of water for every uh, pound of body weight. So almost every, two, every almost pound? Two, what's that? I thought it was like half. I'll drink half your body weight. No, no. He says the whole thing. Well, I love Tom Brady, but he's a little bit of a wacko. I didn't go that far, but I did get well over a hundred ounces of water today. So I feel super focused. I mean, I feel like so much clarity here. So I, you know, I deserve to have a bourbon at night. So I'm super hydrated, almost overhydrated. Just put a big ice cube in it, and that's there's water in there. There's right? water right there. Yeah. I'm still getting I'm still getting a couple ounces of water in here. Absolutely. So are we getting into this? Are we gonna talk some golf? We're gonna talk a little G. Yeah. Yep. All right. So he's back, boys. Or is he? Rory McIlroy wins at Wells Fargo Quail Hall this weekend. He, uh, you know, he went from everyone was just like basically giving up on him two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever that was. He was the the end of the world. If you listen to Brandel Chambly and Brandel was already firing his his caddy that he had, or excuse me, his instructor that he had for a month. And he goes out and he wins. Played obviously really solid to win on that not tough track. Came from behind, which I saw. Says ten. He has nineteen wins. Ten of them have come from behind after the fifty-four hole. Really? Yeah, ten of them have been from behind on Sunday. So that's pretty impressive. But impressive. you know, he he talked this week a lot about how he was just going to primarily hit cuts off the tee, and if he had to hit a draw, he'd hit the three wood. And I thought he hit it pretty good. He had some good, real good shots down the stretch. He had a couple great uh, short game shots to make a few birds on the back nine and start kind of pulling away there but 
what what do you guys think of is Rory? Is he back or is this kind of what Rory does? He needs to win a major. You know, what is what do you guys take on it? He's one of my favorite players. I love him. I want him to be back back. I'm kind of think this is who he is. He's a streaky player. He's going to pop up, play well for eight months, then go away and then pop back up again. Yeah. I'd say the latter there. I would, I'd like to see him perform in a major. I love Rory. I, I think he's, I think arguably in the top two or three most talented guys on tour. I mean, I don't think anybody would really dispute that, but um, you know, we, he, I, I love that he said that he was going to uh, commit to the cut. And I mean, you asked Dustin Johnson, you know, how many cuts he's hit in the last, you know, couple of years off the tee. And he would, he, every one was a cut. He didn't hit any draws. Um, and, and you can see that he's the number one player in the world. Rory's at the same level, same type of player, same skill set, hits it equally as far. You know, if he can find a way to minimize that, that miss. Hey, Sarah. You know, oh, who is this? Uh, who do we have here? Give me, give me a little something here, please. <laughs> we we have a uh, we have a surprise guest, Mike. You got recorded. Guest, right? we got a we got a fifth fifth host tonight. Just hopping on, and uh, Mr. Strange, I need to apologize profusely to you, of all people. <laughs> if you look up in the top left corner of the screen, it should say have a red light. It should say recording. Uh, it's a little bit better than I did the last time you had joined us, but I thought that was great prep for you for ESPN and Scott Van Pelt because I played that role perfectly, I believe. You know what? I I've done that, and I will never go do it again, and you will never do it again either. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's That's, you know we, that is for sure. We learn, we learn as we go, honestly. Well, thank it's you for joining us. We're happy to have you. But you know what? That was some of my our good stuff. Yeah, like Jay said, it was like a nine point nine out of ten. So absolutely, yeah. it was. I mean, it was it was podcast gold. I mean, it was gold. But you know what? You know, hey, treasures are meant to be buried, right? It's- That's right, forever. <laughs> I think they're almost still meant to be found, though, too, Jay. That's never yeah. going to be found. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be that's going to be tough. That's Good luck with that one. Uh, so uh, we were just kind of getting going. Um, we talked a little bit about the Wells Fargo. Um, you probably didn't have a whole lot of time to to watch it there, did you, Dad? You were you were over there at Seminole. <laughs> you know, I was at Seminole. I, like I got to tell you, the I, I will say this: there was a buzz uh, Saturday afternoon and Sunday for those in the know. And, and, and I, I will say, everybody at Seminole was in the know in golf about Rory playing well. And it was a uh, uh, certainly the Walker Cup was utmost in their mind, but. Uh, Roy playing well and, and coming back or not coming back, but having a chance was uh, there was a lot of talk. And then Sunday afternoon when he won, there was a big buzz. And then, which is good. It's good for everybody. It's good for mostly it's good for Rory. Um, I, I did a, I did a piece on sports center at the masters on Friday morning after he played a poor first round. And, and I, and it was like a two and a half a three minute piece with Mike leaves. And I, and I felt so bad afterwards, but I, we kept talking about why superstars rise to the occasion more often than not. Rory has not risen to the occasion lately, especially at the Masters. Um, why? I don't know. Uh, is, it, is he comfortable? I don't know. Just speculation. Is he chasing the long ball? He's admitted that. A lot of, just, a lot of speculation, and I just – 
we just but but everybody wants to know, but there's no answers to a lot of those questions. And you know, today or yesterday when he won doesn't mean that he's completely back, but it means he's if nothing else, it means he won. He feels better about himself, and his game is certainly in a good point. So I think sometimes we we overanalyze everything in all walks of life, and and which is what you guys are doing, what every podcast doing, what all of us at Sports Center do. do. But uh, sometimes you got to give a lot guy some 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 space because Figure we're all out. human. Yeah. Give them some space. Let them do their thing. If they if they play poorly for six weeks, we we frantic over that. They don't. I, I he's so okay. <laughs> he's okay. You know he's okay. Yeah, he's you, you know okay. Curtis on that. I, you were talking about what what's what you know took him over over the top here to get him back on the winner circle. I mean, obviously before COVID, he he had a stretch there where he didn't finish outside of the top ten for like six or seven. Yeah. Years. So and then recently, obviously missed a couple cuts and is not playing up to his standard. You know. But uh, do you think uh, we we touched on it right before you jumped on? Um, he made a commitment to hitting uh, a cut off the tee, which is very unlike him. I mean, his whole career he's been kind of a he's, he's a slinger. He's, he's been a draw player. Slinger. But we, yeah. you know, we've talked about this before, and you know this. I mean, I've even mentioned this on that podcast. You know, that cut shot with the with the tee ball, it's a lot easier to keep in play. And like Lee Trevino said. You can talk to a you can talk to a cut, but a hook won't listen. So, especially for you know a right-hander like him that hits it so hard, I mean, he can hit that little fade, and his miss is in play. Whereas that that big loopy draw off, if he gets a little off, I mean, that's when things start really widening. But you know, I wanted to hear your take on one him trying to to play or commit to that cut shot, which I think is is a great move on his in his part, and two. This was one of the first events where we've had a really large, uh, uh, you know, spectator uh, uh, group of spectators out. And yeah, yeah. top guys, I feel like, really thrive off of that energy, like a Tiger, Rory, you know, Dustin. These guys, the, the Justin Thomas, John Rahm, these big time players, Brooks Kepka, they love having the energy of having these people got to eat off it, of. Got it. Got it. Got it. You've been there, done it. Uh, first of all. I, one of your guys on the podcast who happens to be my son, I preach to him all the time. He plays his best when he holds off and hits a cut, but it doesn't, it, I don't know if it's sunk in yet, yet quite yet, because he can hit a little farther with that, not a loopy draw, but he can hit it farther with a draw. But I think you, everybody comes to the realization uh, in this game at some time, what's the best way for me to play? How can I get it done? It's not about distance with Rory. When Roy said he was chasing the long ball, he was third in driving distance, for Christ's sake. Yeah. What are you going to chase a long ball for? Yeah. You know, if nothing else, learn how to play back off and learn how to be more precise, and you're going to beat him to death because he is, as you just mentioned, he's the two or three most talented players. I think I think talent-wise and gifted, talent-wise, he might be number one. Yeah. He might be number one. Gifted is DJ because of his – because he's built like you, okay? He's six two, he's six three, and this he's. Is, but anyway, stat. the point is to answer your question: the hook versus the cut. It made me feel good when I read that today, uh, because three of the longest drivers on tour, Dustin Johnson, through Butch Harmon, went to the cut. Gary Woodland 
through Butch Harmon, went to the cut and won a U.S. Open. And there's another guy who I'll forget. So, <laughs> so but anyway, it's about, it's about, if you can see me, I mean, it's, it's, you know, full of release versus a little bit of a hold off. Now you might lose a couple yards, but the little bit of a hold off, your parameters come in, your accuracy comes in. And it's, if you hit it in the fairway, it sets up the rest of the golf course for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is fans. Um, I didn't know re- really how much the lack of fans affected people till I went to Augusta last year for the first time. I was out there in COVID and talked to Tiger's caddy. Didn't mention with Tiger, but I talked to DJ a little bit, and I didn't talk to Roy, but talked to his caddy, and they all said confidentially, "It's a different ball game out there." Yeah. And the top players feed off the energy from the fans and therefore the fans feed off their energy. And it's a, it's a, it's a combination of, of, of uh, good stuff that happens and you create great things by all that energy. Mm-hmm. We would never have seen in 2018 when Tiger won 2019, when Tiger won the, the, uh, the masters, when he had that great, you know, you could just see the abs through the shirt and the fist like this, that wouldn't have happened with no fans. So uh, the fans have helped the great players, the, the, the best players out there with their energy. And I think Rory is, is one big part of it. Yeah. I'd like to see Rory get to a point where he's playing golf more than golf swing, you know, and try to hit different shots. I think a Justin Thomas he hits a lot of different shots when he's playing out there. And I don't think Rory does that. I think he's trying to, you know, worry too much about us, what a swing looks like and hit all these certain positions and trackman numbers and just go out and play some golf and hit some shots. And I think being at Quail Hollow helped him because he loves that play so much with his third yeah. win there and being at a familiar place at a time where he needs it might have been feeling but good. But you know, I'm on interrupt right there. If he if he actually went to a different type of mentality and game. And if he did, in, ta- in fact, hit cuts and put it in the fairway at a place where he's comfortable, that will give him so much confidence to go forward. You've got to do it and succeed before you believe in yourself. And you're exactly right. Uh, playing swing, playing by numbers is what we all get into too much. And uh, I'm not so sure Rory did that too much, but he did it more than he was. He, was the, he looked like when he came out and he should have won the British Open at 20 years old at St. Andrews. He came out and won four majors. He was, he didn't look like he was playing by anything but natural feel. Yeah. And that's why he was so damn good. Mm-hmm. Didn't McLean, mean it rough, but yeah. No, McLean, what, what's your take? We haven't heard from you yet on, on Rory. Well, I think, I think Rory's definitely, you know, at this point, it's, it's uh, easy to say that he's put a resume together for a horse for a course at Quail Hollow with those three wins. That golf course was set up very difficult, and I think it takes someone who's a you believe complete player. After three wins there? I think that's. I think the resume is already probably there with two wins. <laughs> uh, I think he's just more solidifying it. You know, I, I'd, I'd yeah. say, you know, he's definitely solidified that that's a place where he's going to play well. And it's a different golf course. I think it's, I mean, totally I think it's a difficult. Course. It is the redesign is very tough. 
Um, and I think ultimately it is a place that's going to expose a lot of players. Rory being a very complete player uh, has found that he's able to get around there. And I think when you look at a lot of the guys that play well there, um, you don't see a lot of weaknesses in their game. Um, it's a place that's going to expose you at any point of the golf course. You know, you just you just said a mouthful right there. Complete player. The, the, the guys that win at, at Quail Hollow, the guys that win at like the four majors and a handful of others, the real championship golf courses, Kiowa next week, you better have that in some. Um, complete player. And you Rory's know, I, won I, there I, too. And yes, he has. And but I think he won there with a a different kind of game. That if this is all, in fact, happening, he won there with a different game. He was young and and energetic and cocky and fearless. Oh, fearless. fearless. But I, I I think that Kia was going to show us uh, a couple of things. One, if is Rory back? Really. Uh, two is that uh, you're going to see guys, complete players, have to win. They're going to win there or play well there because they're going to have to hit high shots, low shots, left to right, right to left, and use their imagination and have the guts and the testing fortitude and the balls to hit those shots. Seriously, uh, because Kiowa, I play there, uh, you know, 15 times in competitive rounds, and it is it is a hard golf course, and you can't be afraid to hit these shots that you have to hit. If you don't, you're not going to be able to play well at all there. And you, I look at guys who played in Europe a little bit to play well there because they hit low balls, high balls, and do all that kind of stuff. But Roy is the guy, uh, along with as long with DJ and Justin Thomas, who hit the shots. Will hit low shots. Will hit the the three quarter half shot when need be. Because if the wind blows there, which as we all know, and we're all East Coast guys, it's going to blow there. Yeah, it's going to blow two of the four days at least. And if they can, they're going to have to use their imagination. It's much like links golf uh, that uh, you're going to have to use your imagination and uh, create shots that ordinarily you would never have to hit. Yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, I was I was glad to see uh, Rory kind of get back in the winner's circle, but I, I think he still is yet to prove his commitment to. Uh, his scoring clubs. I think, I mean, again, he's a super talented guy, but to the level that he can dominate, like when he gets these scoring clubs, you know, 160 yeah. yards and in, when he starts really flagging these, get, get out, watch out. He's going to, he's going to beat everybody by 10 shots. Like he's done in the past. I, I get that. But, and, but Roy, as we talked about a moment ago is so gifted with all the oh. type of clubs yeah. and the speed of the club. And when you, when you learn to control the driver, control the long irons, the mid irons, you also control the sh short irons too. Sure. And the short irons, short irons are just like the driver. If you're used to the short iron like you used to in a big old high, not yep. draw, but a big old, now you're holding off. Now you can hit shots and control the trajectory and the spin. Yep. It's not so much the spin, it's, it's the trajectory. Yeah. And that's where you now you become really precise. Yep. From 130, instead of taking that big wedge, maybe he knocks down that three-quarter nine-iron from 130, 140, whatever it might be. Ball comes down. He controls the distance exactly the way he wants to, and he becomes really the complete player. He, because he's so talented, 
that if he just and I'm sure Pete uh, Cowan is is working with him, just trying to get him back on, right. on on track. But he's so talented. If you just make a few little adjustments with you know maybe it's setup, ball position, whatever, just to get him to see the ball fly at the at the the height that he needs to score and to have yeah. ultimate control over these scoring clubs, then like I said, I mean if when he starts doing that, I just don't as good as talented as Dustin Johnson is. I just think that Rory, if Rory's playing his best and Dustin's playing his best, I'd take Rory. I mean, you I, know, it, would, it would be great to see, wouldn't it? It would be a great match. It would be fun to watch. It would be really, really close. Yeah. But um, I just think Rory's got a little bit more of a fearless, you know, hot streak with his putter. He's not a – he's a streaky putter, but if he's got confidence throughout his bag, like you said, tee to green, whether it's hitting the ball in play – great wedge, great iron play, uh, and then he's got all this confidence leading into the greens. He's fearless. When he starts just pouring putts in, he can do it too. Um, see, I think – see, I, I, I agree. <clears throat> if there's been a thing in the last – you know, Roy's been up and down with different parts of his game, but over the years, over the last four or five or six years, DJ's been the one that's been most consistent. I mean, he's mm-hmm. been number one in the world forever. He's no won question. 22 tournaments already. You know, he's just – He's just that much off of, of winning every tournament. Yeah. And I think Rory, if he gets back, Rory's the one that's coming back from not playing as well as, as, as we expect him to play. And sometimes that's mis- that's unfair too. But Rory, if he gets back, they're all this far off from being, you know, shooting 65 every day. Justin Thomas the same way. You know, Matsuyama, who I want to see, what he does this week after I don't, has he played since the masters? I don't know, no. but yeah, uh, I want to see how he does there because going back to Japan, he's been paraded around on a, in a limousine <laughs> for three weeks. Uh, and he really has been, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's other players, there's young players, but, and we talk about these two guys, Roy, but I just think it's good that Roy's one. He's, he's such a likable guy. He's, he's the voice of the tour really now. Uh, he has such a level head on his shoulders. Uh, everybody respects the hell out of him. Um, and to have him back playing well is good for everybody. The tour, European tour, golf, every yeah. players, everybody. What a good, yeah. what a good guy. Sorry, McClellan. Yeah. I mean, what a great guy to have as the face of not only the PGA tour, but I mean, he still represents a lot of the European tour. I mean, good world golf. he represents world golf. I mean, how, really you can't, it's hard to pick a guy much better than that. I'm just going to say this real quick. You know how many fairways he hit on Sunday? Three. <laughs> Three. Maybe you but should get back to the draw. <laughs> you, know he hit, you know how many he hit the day before? Five. Uh, I mean, so we're not saying what, a, a 33%. That's a good stat. That's a great stat, son. So, now, he will, from what I saw, his misses, he was missing some just out of the fairway. They were fine. His big misses, he got lucky. They were either on a par five or he could, you know, Get it back in the fairway and still have a, yeah, yeah. a chance to make birdie. But um, I mean, is Rory back? I don't know. Three well, fairways. Well, on so, you know, and, and that's I love that because that's fair enough. One week doesn't mean you're back, although he hasn't been off the charts. But you know, you talk about fairways hit. I mean, I've already done some homework this afternoon, and we got DeChambeau. I mean, he's his his driving rank on tour is one thirty six. You know what? You know what kind of chance I give him next week? Zero. Right there. Okay. So there's things like that. You can go through the stats. 
stats only mean so much. You can't measure the, the brain and the heart. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a different ball game today. They if as long as they can find it, well, that, they can play. Yeah, yeah. he hit he hit seventy five percent of his greens. So that's, he did. That's my next point. Like seventy five for the weekend. Yeah. Let's go See back, and this is very similar to like a I'd say not a early you know late nineties early two thousand tiger, but how about a Hank Haney tiger, where he every every swing was either fairway or fifty yards right. You know, yeah. or Tiger just knew where to miss it, where he still had an angle into the green. So if 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 Rory now is is learning how to, and again back to your point, Curtis. I mean, obviously in the fairway is better, but you have to play to your miss. And if you are able to control that miss to where you still have an, an angle into into the pin, if it's back left, you miss it. You know, you can miss it in the right rough, and you still have a, have an approach. And if he's able to hit greens, and he's able to hit seventy five percent of the greens, again it. It, it really doesn't matter if you're able to hit the ball close to the hole from the rough, then, then great. But if he hits 10 fairways and he, the four fairways that he misses are X's. See, that's, that's what, exactly what right. good that's is that, point, you know? So if his we, misses this week, were better. That's the biggest misses thing. Were his, better. He can misses still lately been off the planet. They have been two way miss. Kind of so, let's back miss. for a minute. They hit it so far to hit fairways, to hit 72% of the fairways that some guys in my day used to hit. I never did. But some guys used to hit all the yes, fairways. But they, but the point is, and when we missed, we didn't miss by far. But when they miss now, because the distance and the speed of the club, when they miss, they miss by a great deal. But one year, one year, I don't remember which one it was, oh, oh, uh, one or two or three, Tiger was last in driving accuracy on tour and first in greens of regulation. So that's that's an anomaly. But I I disagree with you, Jay, that he knew where it was going. He didn't have a frigging clue where it was going, you know, off the tee. No, I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree with you. I think Tiger knew. He knew where to miss it. I think he knew how. Uh, to miss it. I I could I could start a fight right now if I wanted to. He, but he he had uh, Tiger is the most talented player to ever play the game he has enough whereabouts to know hey i can miss it in these right trees and i still have a way to get it up but to the hole why not if, if I you miss, don't miss left, the right trees miss it i i, I get he, where you're coming from and he, but and to I me mean, knowing where to miss it to me knowing where to miss it comes on second shots to the greens where to keep yeah, it below I mean, and above the hole yeah i mean no, no question but I, I i do think he's the, the he was right in the transition in the mid-2000s where the ball was changing the drivers changing the guys are swinging as hard as they could and he knew that and he was he was ahead of the game he was like i can hit i can swing at 125 miles an hour i can blow it right into this second fairway in the right trees if i if i miss it and I still can find a way to to get it up and around the green because I know that pin's back left. If the pin's back right, I know I've, I'm either going to hit a three wood because I can draw the three wood, or I'm going to aim way up the left side and try to hit my my cut shot. So I don't know. I it, it's too it would be too convenient for a guy to not have a clue where his driver's going to still hit 75 percent of the greens, um, you know, and, and and miss that many fairways. I I I do. Yes, you're right. I think that fair enough, Jay. Fair enough, yeah. Jay. But what I'm going to say with that is that is you're wrong. That's what you want to no, say, no. Jay. You're no, wrong. No, no, Wait, I'll, I'll say, I'll say it. Wrong, <laughs> what I'm going to say is they were hitting so far for the day in 02 and 03 that I don't know if they were positioning off the tee. They just didn't care where it went because they're going to be yeah. so damn close to the grain. Yeah, it was true. There's there's definitely part of that. This was, remember, yeah. this was before back tees. 
74 500 yard golf courses yeah, too yeah. i think i don't think it was so much positioning as it was we're just going to let it go yeah and we're going to go find it we're going to be we're going to hit wedges on every hole. yeah yeah so, so the, the way i look at this is the, the, now you guys can tell me if i'm wrong i'm fine with that the, the four of you have played more competitive golf than i have however the whole expression of nowhere to miss it or i can if you're good enough to know to miss it right then how are you not good enough to hit it in the fairway because everyone has a cone that you're going to hit your driver on right so i I never got the whole oh i'm going to eliminate one side of the golf course or i'm gonna i know i can miss it right well if you're that good to miss it in the right spot then you're that good to hit it in the fairway to control your golf swing so i don't know if that i don't agree with that i think i think eliminating one side and knowing which way it's curving it definitely makes it easier to that play. That makes you a hell of a player if you're going to eliminate one side of the golf course. But yeah. there's a cone, Jay. There's a left way. If you were to hit however many drives, right, you were to hit 14 drives a day, there's going to be one that's far left and one that's far right, and then the other ones are going to be in the middle. There's going to be a left side and there's going to be a right side. Now, you may be better on positioning that, but you're going to miss it both ways from where your center target is. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes, where you're aiming it, you're going to miss both If ways. you're hitting it well, if you're hitting it well, if you have the one-way miss that day, that's the only exception to that. Then it like comes down to how pole. good are you at aiming where your cone goes, but you're going to miss it on both sides of your center line. Yeah, and then, but, what but if, again, what if knowing you were that player, what if you were that player that did never miss left? They're, they always miss right, so therefore, they could aim down the left edge and never miss, but so far to the right. David but left was never, right? David left was never part of the equation and we've had players like that i understand i understand where mike's going where he's got he's he's looking at the statistics with the decade (laughs) golf and and like hey we all yeah all have this miss and i and i totally understand that but it's it's more of a confidence thing when you're swinging like if i stand over the ball and i know i'm going to hit it straight or i'm going to hit a cut it it gives me the freedom to free my body up to swing the club aggressively. But if I stand up and I've got trouble left, trouble right, and I'm like, I may miss it left, I may miss it right, where do I aim? How freely do I swing this club? So it's it's not about it's not about percentages. It's about it's it's more internal about having a freedom to know like, hey, I know that I can hit this shot. I'm not going to hit it over here. I can hit in the fairway or I miss it right and I'm okay. Or vice versa. I can hit in the right side of the fairway or I can miss it left. I'm okay. Kind of like we talked about this four or five weeks ago when at the Phoenix, when, uh, when Shoffley kept duck hooking it and he duck hooked it in the water. Uh, and Curtis, you can comment on this. That's one of those holes where you're like, thanks, Jake. <clears throat> what's that? <laughs> no, go ahead, duck go hook in the water. No. Talking about, you know how to hit these shots. <laughs> You, you you get no, over no. Well, you, you get in a tough exactly situation. Right. You've got to. I know exactly where you're going. You're exactly right. If you're missing both ways, you don't know where to aim it off the tape. You don't know where to aim it, and you don't know. If you can't trust it. If you're a, if you're a guy that hits a crop duster off the tee when he misses to the right, you know that's going to come, and there, therefore you can always release the golf club and know it's not going to go left. If you're missing both ways, where do you aim it, and how do you swing? Yeah, you know. But that's but that's but that comes with the territory now, and I'm not begrudging these kids at all. I think they can play their asses off, but the equipment has allowed them to swing like this, which produces both way misses because he swings so hard. And on the good days they play well, on the bad days they miss the fairway right and left. And so that to 
to play well. Those days, they have to get a little lucky and to hit some greens and manufacture some pars. And they do that. And, and because, therefore, because of that, the percentage of greens or regulation and fairways come down. But they still play pretty well. But we watch on TV seeing a guy hitting it all over the lot, but that's kind of what he's used to doing, you know. So I, I, the game is just, you know, I, I speak my game of, of trying to put it in the fairway every single time. You know, 12 or 14 fairways was okay. 11 was okay, barely okay, and 10 was unacceptable because we couldn't overpower the rough because if we drove in the rough, we couldn't get to those log power fives and two. So it was always mandatory to put it in the fairway. And it's just the way the game has is, is, is changed over the years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, Mikey, you know, Curtis, he touched on it. But yeah, I, I, I understand exactly what you're, what you're talking about. You will have – you will miss it both ways. But if you can shift that cone and you have a little bit of confidence knowing that, hey, 75% of the time I'm going to hit it straight or I'm going to cut it, and I, I, I may have – 25% of the time, I'm going to miss it left of my target line. Yeah. That gives you mentally, it gives you the freedom to swing freely and you have a better chance to hit. hit We're saying yeah, the same I think, thing. Yes. We're I think, I think you and I are kind of saying the same thing in a different way where if, if you know, again, you're going to have a left and a right side to your cone. Yeah. You may be okay moving the center of your cone to the very right edge of the fairway, knowing those parts, those shots on the right side of the cone are going to go in the right rough and you're going to accept that. The yeah. ones that go on the center line or the left side of that cone are going to be in the fairway and we're great. We don't want to have the left edge of that cone be aimed where the exactly. water is left or whatever it may be. So I understand what you're, you're saying. Yeah. See, what, see, when you said when you said a few minutes ago about missing and knowing where your miss is going to go and preparing for that and thinking about percentage, I don't think so much off the tee. I think 100% for the second shot. So now, you know, now we're into a different ball game. But, you know, if I've driven in the fairway or if I've driven in the rough, especially if I've driven in the rough, where can I play this next shot? If it's not a perfect lie, if the greens are firm, where can I get this next shot to have a bet the best chance of getting up and in or putting it on the green below the hole to where I can make par? Well, yeah, I agree. That's coming from a guy, you, a two-time major champion that could hit it, hit the fairway 70% of the time. And, and well, you didn't but I didn't, it. and I didn't. So, therefore, when I did hit it in the rough, the first thing I thought about, okay, if the pin's back, if the pin's back right, okay, yeah. where's the first thing I want to think about? Short left in the middle of the green. Yeah, yeah. Short, Even shorter left in the middle of the green. Do not, do not ever in your wildest nightmare <laughs> miss to yeah. the right yeah even short right don't miss right you know and so because uh, taking i've taken birdie out of the equation completely at this yeah now you're trying to make par goal. par is the goal and par was the goal and, and you made par most of the time but par was the goal as long as you played properly yeah and that's and that's exactly what will win you two U.S. Opens. That thought process. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I, and I'm not, I'm just, I'm being honest. I mean, that's that that's the strategy that will win you a, a, a tough golf tournament like that, where you know, you're like, hey, my goal is hit the fairway. And if I don't hit the fairway, my next thought is, how can I get this ball on or in the best position to make par? So the shift for these guys in some of these PJ Tour events where the rough is not as thick, the fairways are not as narrow, 
they, again, back to your point, they just hit the driver as hard as they can. But I do think they have kind of like what Mike said, they've got their cones. They're like, Hey, I typically will hit the ball pretty straight. And if I miss it, I'm going to miss it. Right. I know that this pins back left. And if I swing as hard as I can, I'm going to hit it dead straight in the fairway. I'm going to block it. Right. Right. I can get to the, I can, I can get the ball up on the green and give myself a putt, maybe a putt at birdie worst case of par. And they just take Fair their enough. chances. They just take their chances. But uh, th- again, uh, to your point, Curtis, with the, the way the ball is, the way the club heads are now, yeah. uh, the spin is so low that it hit it so hard. Like you, we can't. They can't control the ball the way that you guys could control it back then because of how how little the spin is. And I think these guys are just adapting to the the they're they're adapting to the equipment and they're just hitting it as hard as they can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I just said, but you're, I, I get where you're coming from now. So they're standing on the tee and I'll tell you about a guy who did that uh, every time years ago, but when they do the same thing I'm talking about, even with wedges, if the pins back left, they're going, they're going 2015 depends on the lie and the yeah. whatever, but they're going short, right. Yeah. Every time and trying to make a 20 footer and they yeah. make a lot of 20 footers. There's a guy in my day and before he was before and during my day that got on up on every single tee and asked his caddy, where is the pen? Time wise, time wise cough. <laughs> every single time he got up on the par four and says, where's the pen? And he, and he went to it. He went the straightest driver in the world. Yeah, so maybe he used to prove your point. <laughs> yeah. But he did that every time. Yeah, God bless Tom Waskoff. He's he's very sick right now. We we wish him the best. But uh, uh, oh no. anyway, um, but you didn't. The, you guys didn't have to worry about that as much. You know, I mean, you guys were straighter drivers, and you were like, I worry about where the pin is when I'm in the fairway. You know, what difference does I, it make? The fairway's I, only I, twenty I, yards I wide. With putting in the fairway, if I put yeah. it in the fairway, I could get to anything. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Anyway, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think in ever on a tee that where am I going to miss this? I'm. <laughs> see, that to you me were, is a negative. Yeah, that to me is a negative. So yeah, anyway, you were that, you were like, that good. Guys, I mean, if you dad had ever come off the final round and it hit three, how many? I say three or four, three fairways, three, three fairways. I mean, you're going what in the? I mean, it. Yeah, he, he does it and wins. He yeah. he walks off carrying a, a one point seven million dollar check or whatever it is. Like, mm. you know, if I ever incredible. hit, I don't know if I ever hit. No, I, I, honest, I I could. I never hit that few fairways ever in my life. <laughs> On my worst day, when I shot 80, I didn't shoot. But I tell you what, it's, it's, you know, Jay Haas and I used to talk all the time about, it, you know, how if we didn't hit fairways, we were toast because you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't play from the rough back then. The rough was the same. Actually, it might have been, this is going to be awful. It might have been a little bit deeper just because that's the way they set up golf courses back then. But if we play, if we hit it in the rough, we just couldn't play. So the priority was to hit it in the rough or the fairway. And if Jay and I were kind of the same, very average hitters off the tee, if we had to drive it straight to play well, and of course you had weeks that you didn't play, you didn't drive it very straight, and that's when you either missed a cut or didn't finish very well. But uh, and he doesn't. But uh, honestly, never in my life have I only hit three fairways. Honestly. Well, that makes one of us because yeah. the rest, the other <laughs> yeah. four, the other four people have certainly played eighteen holes. <laughs> and only it's no fun from doing that either, Mike. Well, I, I can I can confirm that. Mike, uh, you ain't missed a fairway since Jesus was a little boy. 
<laughs> I, miss, I miss a lot. You haven't played with me in a while, Tom. If I could just get a good driver, you know, but that's a different story. So let's, I want to get to the Walker Cup, but real fast, I, ha- I have a bone to pick with a couple PGA Tour events, mainly the Wells Fargo. It just hit me when I was sitting around last night watching the highlights in my underwear. Your, your, which, your Tommy John underwear? Yes, Tommy John underwear. It's very comfortable. Sure. Anyone out there, go, sure. go find it. Uh, great, great people selling that. Got a big, got a big room for your satchel in front. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, hammock pouch, baby. Hammock it's only, pouch. only big for some of us. But <laughs> so here's my bone to pick, and it hit me. They were showing the award ceremony last night, just like kind of a little clip. You know, Rory's holding the trophy, and he's wearing a jacket. And this really bothers me. PGA Tour events do not hand out a jacket to the winner especially Wells Fargo, because it's a navy blue blazer with the Wells Fargo thing on the chest. Like, there's one tournament that hands out a jacket. It's green, and it's in Augusta. If you're another tournament, do not have it, especially Wells Fargo. I get RBC has it, and Colonial has it. Those are kind of cool because they're plaid. And, and Arnold Palmer had it. Arnold Palmer has Muir, the cardigan. Muirfield has it. I agree. I, I worked at Muirfield. Yeah. But still, yeah. especially the Wells Fargo blue blazer, because if – He's walking around the airport. Someone's going to ask him for a mortgage or something. That doesn't look cool. <laughs> just it, don't do it. It's really dumb. That's all I wanted to say. You guys don't have to chip in, but I just now, hold I on, saw on that. that. So like which ones are actually like the member blazer? So that that plaid thing at uh, Harbortown. I mean, that's not like the member. They don't have members. So that we don't count them as blazers. Um, yeah, no, that is it's a tartan jacket. It's not a blazer. It's a tartan jacket. Yeah, that's uh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> so what about like, yeah. what is Muirfield? Do they have it? doesn't a- signify anything, but. <laughs> yeah, Muir- Muirfield is a gray jacket. It's a gray blazer. Oh, that's what I've seen. Yeah, that, there's another one. That ain't real. That ain't years real ago, to give you a quick story on the blazers and the hats that uh, we came out. The tour tried to make the players, when they won an event, to put on a blazer and take off their hat because – there was some conflict. If I was a Toyota guy, for instance, and I won the the uh, the uh, San Diego Buick Classic, they wanted me to cover up Toyota. Uh-huh. I didn't and take this off, which was Toyota, and and we we rebelled like crazy because Toyota pays us good money. I was never Toyota, but Toyota pay will pay a guy good money yeah. for the sponsor. Well, that's. That was a conflict. So I'm surprised anybody puts on a blazer, be quite honest with you, because these sponsors are on their shirts. Number one. Number two is that uh, uh, the blazer thing. I, I, I don't know. I, you know <laughs> I don't know. You know, if the guy's going to give you one six or one eight, you're going to you're going to you're going to accommodate everybody. You know, there's a there's a, a some good stories about when Anthony Kim won the Wells Fargo and and kind of where that blue blazer ended up later that night. Um, we're not going to we won't get into all that right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, like a great this is a good segue, guys, into the Walker Cup amateur golf. You think I saw any blue blazers in Seminole last week? <laughs> blue blazers 99, and khakis. Ninety nine guys out of a hundred had a blue blazer on, including me. Yeah, that's like the uh, that's like the PGA uh, merchandise show every year I go. We lead the nation in navy blue blazers and khaki pants. It's unbelievable. Oh god, and loafers. Uniform is perfect. You know, we you it's, know, it's told, the uniform. It's the PGA Pro uniform. Is, yes, some, it is. You know, some, hey, when uh, I call, when I when I was Radico captain, 
and I was telling Mickelson about something that he asked me one time about the clothes. I said, they'll, they'll be just fine. You'll be fine. He said, what do you mean just fine? I said, let me tell you something, pal. If you don't straighten up and play any better, I'm going to give you six pair of khakis and white shirts. You know what he said? What are khakis? <laughs> and I said, you're going to find out real quickly, aren't you? <laughs> so, you know, I'd, I'd be happy with khakis and white shirts the rest of my life, but it was a uh, vanilla and white, baby, vanilla and white. Phase. But it was there's plenty of it last week of the Walker Cup. Trust me. Yeah, so let's get in the Walker Cup. I I was uh, thrilled to watch it this week, and I didn't get to watch as much as I would like on Saturday, but I watched a lot of it on yesterday on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> um, this is not my line, but someone said it was the shit show at Seminole. Um, if you haven't heard, because <laughs> that's, both that's good. You're funny. Both that's teams, pretty funny there. Yeah, it wasn't my line, but both teams just got riddled with some sort of um, intestinal sickness. There was yep. some pretty ugly stories going around. A lot of the guys were really weak and missing practice. A few even missed the opening ceremonies. And so, did you get it? No, but I'll tell you what happened. Oh, okay. They uh, they 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 had a virus <laughs> run through both teams, and uh, they a number of them, number of them, Sarah, what? Probably on our team, six of them were in the hospital one of two nights with IVs. They were very sick. I don't know how many on the GBNI team. Maybe it was from them. Some of them? Some of them them got it, but uh, they were very sick. And can you imagine, you know, looking forward to this for for a year and a half and getting that? But they were all okay. Strafasi was sick even on Sunday. Uh, He didn't feel well. So they were very sick. I get get the humor, uh, Mike, but. and everybody was rumors around food poison, whatever. But they just had a virus come through the team that was uh was unfortunate. But they all they were all okay. They were 21 years old. What the hell? Well, yeah, because like uh, Joe was a Joe Long on the uh, on from GB and I. He, he only played the Sunday singles. That was the only match he actually played in. And he's yeah, one of their so one of their studs. It went through. It went through. Um, uh, I walked. I walked Sunday the entire uh, second match with a. Uh, uh, Cootie and uh, Fitzpatrick. And the reason being Cootie, Charles Cootie's a dear friend of mine, and he was out there. And I know his son, who's the son of, uh, of, of Pearson of Cootie, but uh, and Fitzpatrick goes to Wake Forest. So I thought I'd watch them. This Cootie kid can really go. Fitzpatrick's a nice player, okay? Cootie can really go. Long. He's only about 5'9 or something, but really long and really straight. Um, but, uh, they, they, you know, it, you forget how, how passionate and how invested these kids are in something like that. We, I was fortunate enough to be on a Walker Cup in 75, and we kind of, as you get going through your, your career, and you kind of blow it off as somewhere in your background. But uh, it, it was a big deal, and it is a big deal. And uh, they, they played so well, and they, they uh, Seminole was the star, though. I don't care how well the kids played. Seminole was the star. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it looked like it played awesome, and I thought the USG did a great job setting it up. It didn't seem like they got too scared like they may have in a U.S. Open, I think, because it was match play and really pars irrelevant at that point. You know, I thought the golf course played awesome. It was brown. It was hard. It was firm. You know, like we had a discussion last week on golf courses and how sometimes the perfectly manicured courses can come off at a higher value to some players because i actually had a member say to me man that place was like a dog track just because it was brown they they, they kind of see the, well, the weeds and the, like the waste areas i love that stuff 
Bermuda mm-hmm. never gets any greener than what you saw down there. And then there'd been a little bit of a drought, but it was, you know, then you look at Augusta, which is so, so green. Well, look it's at, well, look at quail. It's all over quail dry. Like- it's not as good as, it's not as near as good a, a surface to play off of as Seminole was. Being a kind of ryegrass, that ball sits down. It, at Bermuda, it's, the ball sits up on, perched up on top of it. And it's, it's, it's such a beautiful surface. And the greens, they got hard and fast. And where they're too fast for the kids, eh, that's arguable. Uh, that, that, that could be a good argument. But uh, they, they had some tough hole locations. They let them, but they, they let, set it to them. And these kids, these kids handled it well. Tom, you want to, I know you've played Seminole a bunch and a big Walker Cup guy. What's your thoughts? Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. I did. I, uh, I think it's, it's one of my favorite events in, in all of sports, uh, definitely in golf. I think it's, it's really cool. Um, I love how they're going back to some of these pretty, you know, kind of neat new venues. Um, so uh, I think it was awesome. Seminole is one of my favorite places on the planet. It's, you know, tee to green. It, it's, you know, it, it's beautiful, but it's not going to beat you up. Um, but you get around those greens, you better, you better have some big cojones and, and have uh, a good bunker game. You better, you better, you know, clean those bunker, those grooves on that sand wedge before you tee it out there because you're going to use it. Tom, I've never seen, you know, I play there four or five times. That's all. You played more than I have, but watching it and just really kind of watching the players and the greens and seeing everything, it's there's never been more of a local knowledge type golf course in Seminole on where to, and we get back to the point where to miss it. Really, you have to know where to miss it there to where you can get it up and in and two from the not two and three where you can make bogey. Um, it's it's the greens are very fast, but uh, they're playable. But you better put it in the proper place if you do miss it. Yeah, I think it showed what a great match play venue it really is. You know, it yeah. is a very tough golf course. I don't know that you could really hold a, a major stroke play event there, but as far as match play goes, I think you can set it up tough and let the guys go after it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, on 18 there, you would just see shots, anything that landed on that right side was just being absolutely repelled 50 yards from the green. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it showed if you miss it in the wrong place, it's going to have a lot of teeth to it, but it also gave some scoring opportunities at the same time. And, you know, I, I think it was a great match play venue and um, obviously a great facility all around. Yeah. We see, we saw on TV on Saturday and Sunday, that the finishing holes and how left to right win and impossible those holes were. Well, the rest of the golf course couldn't, wasn't quite like that. They might be to me, the toughest three holes in the golf course. You got small greens with the rest of life, left to right win and and all three greens kind of slope left to right it's almost impossible to keep it on the greens but it is it's a it's a magical place and i don't say that much about golf courses and facilities but it's always got this history there and it's very very private uh it's it's it is what it is and and they're not they're they don't apologize for anything we do our thing here we have our membership and we play our golf and thank goodness they had a a national event there that people could see what Seminole was all about. It's, it's, it's a beautiful landscape of, of nothing, but just in, in, the, in you know, and from, dunes, the, from the sea to sand dunes, it's a flat yeah. area. It's a lower area, but a magical uh, designed by uh, Donna Ross. And it's there's some uh, elevation for being Florida. There's a, there's no, a no, absolutely because of the big sand dune on the end of it. But mm-hmm. it's, but anyway, you're right. It's just, I just, and I, I got to watch it, Tom, more just by not playing, but just walking around the last two days. And it was 
you, you almost appreciate it more by just doing that. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to, it's one thing when you're playing, playing the golf course, you know, and, 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 and Curtis, you probably can comment on this, but all the years that you played Augusta, you know, and, and how much, you know, the change in uh, elevation, the undulation, um, and you played it, you, you recognize it and you're, you're out on the golf course, you're playing. But then when you're out commentating, watching these guys, you're like, Holy cow, this place is like, there's just so much up and down, um, that yeah. you can't see on TV. And it, it, I, I know Seminole is not that extreme, but thinking of Florida, you know, where, where it is, you're like, they're, they're, it's flat, but there's, there's definitely a lot of undulation at Seminole and, and there's some, uh, some hills and slopes and yeah. everything's fast. It's playing hard and firm and it's fun to watch. I mean, you have to, these guys really have to tap into their, their creativity. And I think that's, what's fun to watch these young guys at, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, you had a couple guys that were, you know, some mid ams, but you know, just to see them tap into their creativity and, and play golf and, and see how talented they are. Without well, they learn, without they learn, they could hit some shots that they never thought they'd ever have to hit. Exactly, and, exactly. and they learned a great, great deal. They might have thought they played well last week, you know, maybe on some of the GP and I teams or even our tank guys, but they learned a great deal because they they pushed their their limits of hitting shots, and they said, "Hey, I can do that." Yeah. and uh, you watch that. And, I, I uh, mean, they were, they, they were good. Curtis, how? To, to, Talk to us about like how often did you draw on some of your experiences as an amateur golfer playing in, you know, the NCAA tournament, playing in the USAM, playing in all these amateur tournaments, even after you turn pro. I mean, this is where you learned how to trust in your game. I mean, that's it's I don't know. I mean, again, I'm, I'm on a much smaller scale and I'm, I'm talking about my my state amateur and some of the smaller tournaments. But even as I played, you know, 15 years as a pro, I would still draw on these moments in my amateur golf, amateur golfing days that you're like, oh, OK, I can do this. Like, I, I've done this before. And even though you had you're not you're not competing against the same caliber of player, but you still draw on those moments. I mean, did you ever look back and be like, hey, when I won the NCAA tournament or when I when I won the Virginia State Amateur? No, like, no, you, you don't. Pull I, on get that? That. I get what you're saying. No, but all, all four of you guys have done the same thing at, at your different levels. And you don't consciously do it, but you just learn the game as you go along. And you don't consciously think, well, I got this shot because I had it two years ago back and wherever it was. You just you learn to do it at a particular place in a particular time. And then you always have that as a resource Yeah, and you do it again and again and again. And it's just, uh, uh, that's where if somebody's playing the same golf course every day of his life, he might become a pretty damn good player, but he <laughs> can't get out of his comfort zone because he's never played anything else, which might be hard and fast, or if he plays hard and fast, soft and uh, slow. So, you know, you guys have all are, are good enough players to realize that. And as you as you as you go forward from from your club golf to your state golf to your national golf to 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 whatever it might be, you know, you you draw on those things and you don't consciously do it, but you learn as you go. That's all part of the learning. Yeah. You know, I don't care what it is. You, you learn and you grasp. And those who don't learn don't do very well. Yes, yeah. me. I those who think don't you're... learn and accept the fact that 
God damn it. You know, that's, this was a pretty tough shot, but I might have this again. You know, I got what, whatever you think to yourself yeah, and go do it. Again. You hit, I think you hit the nail on the head and, and Mike, you give, you give a lot of instruction. The, the players that the players that are the most successful are not necessarily the most athletic, but they're the, they're the players. I kiss that, my ass. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, ahead. I mean, yeah, you're an average athlete. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> no, I, but my, no, my point is, I, being a, I can, I can validate that. Be, being a great athlete gives you a leg up because you obviously are are in tune. Hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination. You're in tune with your body. You, it's you're you're. It's easier for you to uh, to adapt. But my point was. The, the the guys that are willing to learn and they they're the the quicker learner is the one that you see on tour. I mean, there's Curtis. How many guys? You know, when you're out, you know, I know you don't go out every week, but you, you maybe 10, 15 times a year you're out for certain events. But you see guys on tour that are very successful that are not great athletes, but they're great. Uh, you know what? They're pretty, they're all that was in my day. But not anymore, Jack. Well, some, no, are, some are better than others. I, I, but my again, day, relative, there, was, there was one guy in particular. If you threw him a ball, he couldn't catch it. Exactly. So, but he became a hell of a player because he worked his ass off. But they're all good now because they have to be. It's relatively, become to that level. Yeah. Relatively speaking, though, there's there's some guys that you look at that are phenomenal athletes and there's some guys that are not as as great of an athlete but they're yeah. able to still perform well because they're they're great they're able to learn and they're able to make quick adjustments and and to get better and i think there's something and they to work that. harder than, and they work harder than the next guy yeah they work hard they learn they're able to if, if they have an instructor or not even an instructor but they're able to to learn on their past experiences kind of like what you're talking about and we were talking about with amateur golf yeah. like hey i'm able to take that experience i'm going to learn from it i'm going to get better i'm going to use that as as positive reinforcement i'm going to keep getting better and these guys that are on the pga tour um in the, like you said they're all the, the level of athleticism is going up for sure but all of those guys are great learners they're great students you don't do, you don't do any of this consciously no 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 conscious. it's it's put yeah. back in the bank and you you you're able to bring it back up and it's not like but it's not like i mean i get where we're coming from but if for instance a guy a guy has a particular shot seminal this week is nothing he's ever had before whatever that might sh shot be and there was plenty of them trust me you know to blop it out of the green out of the green side bunker three feet and have it run down 40 feet to the hole. That's something these guys aren't used to, but they did it this week. And so I'll re always remember that, you know, I did it pretty well back then and, and I trusted it back then. So if they get to St. Andrews and they got a tight Bust shot at, in the 2030 British open and the wind is blowing up their rear end 20 miles an hour, they know they can plop it out and it'll run down the hole. That, all I'm saying is subconsciously you learn these things as you go along, just like you learn how to hit high soft two irons yeah. or low drawing two irons. It's, yeah. it's all part of the, the learning process. And these guys, everyone, Stuart Hagestet was 29 years old, but everyone is a young kid. And there's so much still in the learning process of how to play the game. Yeah. You know, I watched Cootie and Fitzpatrick. They were fantastic. 
they hit the ball incredibly well. And they played the game well around Seminole, but they're still in the learning process of playing the game. And they will continue to learn yeah. throughout we forever, all? forever, <laughs> you know, so. Curtis, I got a question for you, and you know it's a subject that we've touched on before, um, and it's something I just said, and I kind of think as I thought about it afterwards that I kind of want to retract to say that you know you might not want to have a major championship event at a course like Seminole, but I think that's more of that our brain's been trained to look that way at some match play venues um, and certain other uh, courses out there. Do you yeah. think that a course like that could play the equalizer in the distance debate that we've talked about? You know, may, not something that's 8,000 yards, but something that plays very difficult at a, a moderate yardage? You know, McLean, it's, it's, it's a good point. It's a, it's a topic of conversation every day. I think the greens cannot get any faster. These greens were fast, borderline fast from my account, for Seminole. If you put this speed that we saw at Seminole and Oakmont, they'll be borderline too. But other other time you put this speed on other greens, they'd be way over the top. So it's all individual golf course and greens. So speed is certainly one topic of discussion. The other one is that, okay, every course can put in new tees and that's fair enough for championship golf. But, you know, there's no rough I see anymore. I don't see some of the rough that in the day that 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 showed up once in a while on tour. Um, the guys don't like it and they don't they don't uh, they don't accept it. So therefore, there's not much rough. Um, I don't I, I, don't get me started on that one. But <laughs> I, I just think that I just think that um, if you grow rough, if you, if you narrow some fairways and grow some rough. And then see what the scores are. Yeah. I mean, look at look at Charlotte this week. What one, 12, 11? 10. Um, 10. 10. I mean, look at Hilton Head. Kucher shot a low score this this year, but uh not Kucher, uh Stewart. But the rest he won by three or four. So I mean, here's an old style golf course. Yeah. If you just make him the point is, if you make them drive it properly, then the game is on. Tell them, Curtis. About, we're talking about we're Tell bombing them. it all the time. We're bombing it all the time and play from everywhere. It doesn't make any difference. And so, therefore, we proved it. It was proven at Aaron Hills when we did it at Fox in the U.S. Open when when, when Kepka shot 17 under par. Distance is not, not the answer. So, what are we going to do? They're – they're bigger, stronger, faster, run faster, jump higher, everything better than we and people before me did. Okay, we're better athletes, which is fair enough. So what are we going to do? The clubs, the balls go. Uh, so let's make them drive it straight. And if they don't drive it straight, let's penalize them. I think a course like to McLean's point, like Seminole, can get away with no rough because of what's on the outskirts, right? That ball is running firm and fast. It's going into bunkers, going into right. waste areas. Yeah, they want right? it. There's a lot of right, a lot of motion, and it's going into crud and waste areas where a lot of these courses have to because there's nowhere that ball is going to roll. They have to have that yeah. rough that you're talking about. Seminole can get away with it, but there's very few, especially in the United States, that are like Seminole that can get away. Pinehurst, number two now with, with the redo. Again, very similar bunkers, waste areas. Um but yeah, other than that, you have you have to grow rough with these guys. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, see, I, I, I let me interrupt. I, I think Pinehurst is 
when I started going there in 76, no, 74, uh, you know, it wasn't so slick fairway runoff. I mean, it was, it was some, some scruff there. So the bad shot would go way down. The poor, not so bad shot would go halfway down. So you had options to chip and putt. But the point is, there was enough there that you couldn't putt. And around Seminole now and Aaron Hills and Piners, you putt from all the way from 20 yards off the green. I don't like that. Let's bring in pitching and chipping again. That's what I want. I'm sorry I interrupted somebody. No, you're good. All I was saying is that I, I guess more of my point, Mikey, was going back to um, a golf course that can play at a moderate to shorter yardage and still play difficult, be it rough, be it wind, be it uh, course setup, uh, greens, uh, you know, a variety of different factors. I think Seminole is one of those facilities or one of those golf courses. Yeah. That, um, it, you know, it, I think it's something to where it kind of levels the field a little bit in terms yeah. of when a, when a golf course is 7,200 yards versus 7,800 yards, um, you know, it brings more people into the event to be competitive. Um, I think it's I think it's more fun for the viewers to see um, the PJ Tour guys play a course at seven thousand yards, and they can relate to it a little bit more. In my opinion, they they can say, "Oh, he's playing seven thousand yards." Oh, you know, I play seven thousand yards at my local club. You know, now granted the conditions are a little bit different, but it still makes the tournament more relatable when you watch on TV. Now, when when as a spectator, now you look on the TV, they're like. Oh, they're playing 75, 7,600 yards. And you were like, I, I don't even know what that, I don't even know what my club, I don't, there's not a club within 50 miles of, of my house that's 7,600 yards. I don't even know how to play that. But if you have a course like Seminole, and granted, again, the conditions make a difference, but they can also say, you know, it's fun to watch. They're playing the same distance that I am. They're not hitting in the fairway and they're penalized for it. You know, kind of to your point, Curtis, like hitting the fairway. But where is that? Where where is that place though? Seventy-one, seventy thousand. That's that's tough for the players. Well, it, it, it Harbor Town there, there isn't right? right now, but there should be Harbor Town. Harbor Town could be one of them. Seminole, if they had an event out there, but I don't know if it's the 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 venue's big enough to course any or to host any any viewers. No, but, but just the golf course itself would is, be. They would destroy Seminole. They'd have to really, Tom. You help me. They Seminole would have to make the greens just, just, Un, just almost unplayable. Yeah, I think we might see what be unfair. Now we're talking about unfair. I, I'm yeah. curious to see next year, and you can speak to this golf course very well. Brookline's hosting the U.S. Open next year. I know yeah. they've probably had some distance. I know Hans went in there, preparing it for the U.S. Open. So, I mean, but when I worked there, it was 6,900 yards you know, greens are as small as this table that I'm sitting at. So yeah. how do you think that course will hold up next year? Well, you know, I, I, Mike, I've heard that they've rerouted the backside some. Uh, they've done some stuff that uh, uh, to make it more fan-friendly, but also one or two better holes. I don't know uh, exactly what they've done. Uh, the golf, I guess the golf course will basically be the same. But, you know, it, it, it's, it, it is what it is. It's just – uh, they've taken, they've rerouted, they've eliminated, gosh, I hate to bore your, your podcast listeners, but, uh, yeah, we do eliminated one short hole, one short hole four over the hill. They've eliminated yeah. that and then they made it to, and, and they made another hole, a big, long one. So anyway, I, I don't know what they're doing. I hate doing that. Good God. I hate going into a golf course like Brookline. You went there because it's got history. It's a good golf course. 
and now we're going to reshape it to make it a better golf course. I hate that. That's such BS because who was the USGA to say, okay, we're going to give it to you, but we're going to reroute your golf course. I hate that because yeah. now players that play next year can't compare themselves to, to you know, well, me or not me, but I mean, you know, yeah. Arnold. Yeah, and you. Casper and, yeah, and, and you. And got a couple of times before in the Runner Cup. It's a completely different golf course. I, and that's I where I get infuriated with USGA. I agree. I, well, not, not just the USGA. I agree 100% just with with golf course. There's one thing to do a re regrass or a resurface, but a complete redesign of a golf course. I'm not a huge fan of it because of exactly your point, like the history. So say, say I'm a say I'm a member of a club that's the only country club in my area, and I grew up. My grandfather played there. My father played there, and I want to take my grandson out to play this golf course. And we have so many memories, you know, with my family playing this golf course. Like, hey, I remember when when I hit this, I made eagle on this, you know, par five. Yeah, yeah. And then I take my son out, and they've done a complete course redesign. It's a new course. Like, yeah, I'm not. I can never I, go back I, and play I get that. that. I get that, and that might be for whatever different reasons. And I get that. But when you do it for one week. For U.S. Open, and Mike, and, and a lot of times, and and I guess in U.S. Open they'll go back to the original layout. I don't know if they will or not, but but the Country Club is one of the five original golf country clubs of the USGA, and so we're going to go in there just for the 2021 Open or 2022 Open and redo it because USGA says I think the club will all say you know take a hike, pal, you know, and they did that. For the hundredth anniversary, by the way, I just I don't get that. I, I don't, really don't get that because, to your point, if they go back is one thing, but even if they go back, they've changed the golf course for for the twenty two U.S. Open, which can't now never be compared to the U.S. Open before and before yeah. that or any other big championship they've ever had. Yeah, no, cannot be compared whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. Anyway, <laughs> it's all hey. you know. It's all good, and it, nobody will care. But but we that we in the game care. Yeah, we, we have a right. Care. We have a right as fans. We have a right to have an opinion. You know. We yeah. No, oh, no. And, and and the members of co- the country club, damn, will have a right. Sure. Yeah. If 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 anybody, they they they've earned that earned that right more than anybody. Oh yeah. 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 So, already man. But yeah. What's going on in the state of Virginia? <laughs> it's a beautiful time in the state of Virginia. Everything's popping. Grass is growing. I got so much grass to, to cut. I was with funny. Vinnie Giles a lot last week, man. Were you? And I've never had so much fun just listening to him. Man. I was with, we had, a, we had, I'm, I'm going to reminisce here a minute. We have at the Rada Cup every year, every, every four years when it's in America. We have a Ryder Cup reunion, and I only went four years ago because I was with Fox, and we did L.A. Country Club, and I went to the dinner, the reunion, and the ceremony. Well, I went this time, too, and I won't miss another one in the States. You see, I saw friends I hadn't seen in 40 years. We drink a little bit too much. We have a good dinner. We laugh. We walk and talk golf courses, tell old tales. But uh, I, uh, we had six of our 75 team at a 10 there, so I took a picture. Uh, 
nine are still living, which beats all odds to start with. But uh, <laughs> uh, but Vinny and and Dick Sitteroff and 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 John Grace and uh, they were all there. It was it was fantastic. So uh, Rada Cup is is big for a lot of reasons, and one is the re- reunion that they put on uh, every four years back in the states. Vinny is uh, he's got to be one of the all time. Uh, greats not 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 only in a in the amateur ranks but just golf in general i i think i I touched on this we we did a so kenlock does a pro member every year and i I play with a good friend of mine paris panya and uh we won the year prior but this year we didn't play that well and Vinny, you know i i know Vinny. i know Vinny. And, but Vinny, he knows me, but he does he doesn't know me as well as I know him. But he took about 15, 20 minutes to come over and talk to me for, you know, he didn't have to do that. Uh, but he came over and, and chatted with me about the golf course, about golf in general, about life. And that just, I don't know, I just was, it was just one of the coolest things for one of the greatest amateurs uh, to ever play golf. Hey, he's a, he's, a, he's a golfer through and through. He's been it, there. He it, loves it was, young golfers all the cool. So it was, cool. it was all good. So we, it's a good week for all. Yeah. So. All right, man. All right. Thank you for having I mean, me again. Yeah, can't thank you enough. Thank you for being here. I'm glad I hit record tonight. <laughs> this Check. is podcast Check. gold. It will actually, it'll actually go out to the public. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. See you. Thank, thank you. Guys. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks. Take care. All right. Well, we want to thank uh, Curtis for coming on. Kind of surprised us last minute. We had already started, and and Tom said he was he was joining us. So, Tom, thanks for setting that up. And Curtis, thanks again for chatting with us for a third time. Glad the uh, the world can hear this one. So let's um we're gonna make this fast since it was a a little bit of a longer conversation with Curtis. But we do want to do our picks. We've had some people reach out to us and say, "Why the hell are you giving us your picks?" Let the record show. I've won. A few in a row. That's too many now to count. But um, so you probably really want to pay attention to my picks. But we are at the AT&T Byron Nelson in Dallas, which has moved around a lot. It was at Trinity Forest last few years to not very good reviews. This year, we're at a new venue, the TPC Craig Ranch, which I know absolutely nothing about. But one of our co-hosts has played there a whole bunch. So, Mr. Woodson, can you give us a little breakdown of this new TPC Craig Ranch? I the one thing I heard is it's probably going to be like 24 under par wins it. Is that going to be right? Um, based on the looks like the way the weather's playing out, it could be pretty low the first two or three rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, 7,400 yards if they play at uh, par 72. I know in the, the few times that I went there uh, for Q school and second stage, they played as par 71. But um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be pretty wet early this week so if it's wet and there's no wind yeah. yeah it's gonna play soft and and guys will probably eat it up um i i don't know what the rough is like there right now i mean it's it's zoys of fairways and bermuda or i'm sorry bent greens so you know it just depends it it, it typically plays wet which it kind of makes the course play a little longer so if they if they tip it out, it, it could play a little longer, but the greens will will, will be kind of soft since it looks like we're going to get rain the next three or four days. 
So yeah, they, they could they could score play pretty low there. But does it does it favor? And what's some of the characters? Does it favor a driver, a bomber, a iron player, short game? Um, not necessarily. I mean, a little bit of everything. It's I mean, seventy four hundred yards. It's a, it's pretty pretty decent length, and especially with the Zoiza this time of year, I feel like it plays kind of soft. So it plays long. Like it's a long. If they play it all the way back, it's a long seventy four. Um, so. And they don't typically the tour doesn't typically play Zoiza Fairways. I mean, it's not not common for them to play Zoiza Fairways. So um, again, like I said, a little bit a little bit of it depends on the conditions. And and now that they've I know that they're getting rain the next three or four days, it, it could actually play a little long, um, which could you know make the scores drop drop back a little bit. I would my my guess is that it's the guys are going to play pretty well the first couple of days. Um, with no wind, it looks like there's only, it's going to be pretty moderate when, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, you're up to 13, 14, 15, 16, maybe 20 mile an hour gust when it's gusting 20 miles an hour out there. Um, it, it can be tough to get it close to the hole. Um, and the greens are phenomenal. They're really good and there's some decent amount of undulation. So, um, yeah, I, they're know. saying, they're saying the, the corn fairy tours played there a bunch. They've had some low scores. They play it as a par seventy-one for the Corn mm-hmm. Ferry Tour. So, yeah, that would play it. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen exactly what they're going to play the course at, but I, I would imagine that the guys will, will shoot pretty low. Um, so I, I still, um, I still favor the Texas boys just because they're they're used to those conditions and the, the weather yeah. looks. I mean, condition-wise, in terms of the temperature, I'm sorry, it looks like it's going to be pretty decent for the for the tournament in the 70s, and that which is nice. So it says the uh, green sizes are 6,800 square feet. What I'm reading here, but they only keep the greens at 11 and a half on the stint meter. So for some of my some of my members that are listening, green speeds are typically a hot debate at the foundry, and they would like them at 13 all the year long. And they, can't really do that especially on our undulations so you yeah. know pj tour event is only 11 and a half so that's that's pretty standard for the pj tour i mean uh we can probably do some research and find out but i i would i think from my from from my experience pj tour likes to keep it around 10 and a half to 11 and a half every week that's kind of the the standard that's what the guys expect every week they want it around 11 um now if you get to a bigger venue major championship uh, then they get a, get a little crazy with uh, green speeds and they bump it up a little bit to try to make it interesting. But you know, week in and week out, you know, 10 and a half, 11 and a half, 12 max. Um, and again, a lot of that depends on, you know, undulation of the course, uh, whether you're playing on, you know, bent Bermuda, a little bit of that has, has, a, you know, that makes a difference. Yeah. But, um, Absolutely. But so, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful course. I mean, obviously I, I've got, I've, I've favorite. I mean, I had some success there when I played, so I, I like it, but uh, I do think um, guys will probably go low there this time of year. The only, the only thing that can, uh, that can combat these scores would be the really soft fairways with the Zoysia and uh, a little bit of wind on Saturday and Sunday. If it, if it gets, if it stays soft and it's windy, then they can, it can play a little tougher. Um, but otherwise, they'll probably uh, it, it'll probably be in the upper teens, I think, to win. All right, so let's get to our picks. We have a we have a pretty good field. There's some some good names playing: Rom, Deshambo, Spieth, Leishman, Berger, Scheffler, Hideki. A couple of guys have taken a big layoff 
um, that are playing this way. I think Brooks is back. He hasn't played since the Masters. Spieth, Hideki haven't played since the Masters. So pretty good field. I had a terrible time picking this because of one, I didn't really know how the course was going to play. So I'm going to go first. You know, champion gets to go first. Lead us. <laughs> so I'm going to go right off the bat. My two horses, two Texas boys, two Dallas guys, Spieth and Scheffler. Just they have to have some understanding of that golf course and have played there over the years in the conditions and the wind. So I like those guys. They can both light up the scorecard, make a lot of birdies. And if you're going to have to get to 18 under par to win it, then you know, I want guys that can make some birdies. I'm going to go with a guy off of a good weekend, a good week. Luke List played well, can mash it again, can make some birdies. Then I drop down to Patton Kazire, PK. Uh, no one's mm. picked him in a while, but not of great a form as late as earlier in the year. But I'm gonna go PK there. I had to go some bargain basement guys. Uh, I went Wyndham Clark. I think he can he can make some a bunch of birdies. So he's on my team. And then my last guy, actually Wyndham Clark's my lowest guy, but my other guy, I don't even know his first name. Um, I'm sure I get this right. I think it's John Catlin. Does that sound right? He's That's a- He's a Euro Tour guy, American. He's on the Euro Tour. Has played unbelievably well over there. Has a win, another top five over um, across the pond, making his way back uh, stateside, getting ready for the PGA. So John Catlin is one of my sleepers to uh, to play well on the PGA Tour this weekend. I like Jens? that. That's a good pick. He's had some really good success over there. All right, McCain, McLean, let's, uh, let's hear yours. All right. Well, I have taken a little different strategy. I went with three solid guys instead of one superstar. Um, I have Mark Leishman, hmm. 9,200. Been playing well. Uh, good pick in the win. Good pick in the win. Um, also from West Texas, good pick in the win. From Ryan Salome, Texas. Yeah, no, Ryan Palmer, 100%. Um, and then uh, Sergio Garcia, the veteran at 9,000. Who lives um, in Dallas. Or no, Austin. Yeah, Austin. Austin. Sorry, Austin. I, I don't think I knew that. Um, also, Scott Piercy, Pat Perez, and Keith Mitchell. Um, Scott's been playing pretty well as of late. I think he's one of those guys that he kind of trends when he's playing well. He puts a couple of tournaments back to back where he's kind of in that mix a little bit. Uh, Keith Mitchell had a great week this last week. I think he's been playing really well. Um, and then uh, Pat Perez, another guy that I think plays well in the wind. So, like it. We'll see where we'll see how they go. Tommy. All right. Uh, I got Jordan Spieth is my my ringer there. Most expensive. I mean, he's at home, so we can get the breast milk right down the road. It's, it it's doesn't easy, have to go right? very it's, far. Yeah, they just bring it to him there, actually. Um, so let's see. Uh well, with Jordan, obviously we all know why. I picked Keith Mitchell. Um, you know, obviously a good good finish this past week. I think he's kind of rounding into form. Uh Luke List as well. Played good this played well this past week. I didn't realize he'd only hadn't made he's only made fifty percent of his cuts, but um he's played a little bit better lately. Pat and Kazire. Uh, I feel like we got a lot of the same ones. We do. Um let's see. Carlos Ortiz. I almost uh, picked him. Yeah. Um don't know why. Just feel like I've seen his name more lately than I have before. And I got any more. Oh, Peter Uline. Um I don't know why, just because I was running out of dollars. I had, you know, like I had no money left and his name just kind of jumped out. But, um, you know, on Peter Uline, it's funny because, like, I I think we all probably expected him to have maybe 
you know, had a little bit more success at this point in his career. Um, you know, coming in with his with his amateur record that he had, you know, when he turned pro. But um it's a hard was, fucking game, kids. He grew up in Massachusetts with me, and I was a good bit older than he was playing like I was, you know, 16, 17 playing in junior events, and he was like 12 playing in the same as as us and just beating the piss out of all of us. He's pretty good. Um big helps when your dad was a CEO of a cushioning company. Doesn't hurt. Does not hurt. All right, Jay Bird. All right. I've got a lot of the same guys there. Jordan Speed, Texas boy, uh, 10-7. Um, Scotty Scheffler, 9,400, rolling with him. Um, I'm jumping back on the Will Zalatoris bandwagon. I missed the cut last week, but um, hometown hometown boy here as well. So I, I feel like he'll jump back on. I feel like he's played this course quite a few times. Um, I've got Kang, past champion, also a member at TPC Craig Ranch. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so, which, you know, all those guys, if it's a TPC course, they play there, but that's where, that's his home course. So, uh, you know, I feel like at 6,500, uh, he hasn't played well as of late, but hopefully, you know, with a little, little home course knowledge, he can turn it around. Um, Vincent Whaley is, uh, my next guy. I, you know, I don't know really a lot about this guy, but he's at 7,000 and he's played <laughs> really consistently, uh, over the last seven weeks, you know, nothing great, but a lot of top 20, top 30 finishes. So I don't he, think I've ever heard of him. I haven't either. I, I don't know this guy at all, but, um, but he has played all year on the PGA tour and wow, that's, he's, he's, he's been made, around a little longer than you think. Yeah, he's played four. He's made fourteen or nineteen cuts this year. So, wow. Um, All right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but a lot of Texas boys here, and then uh, again finishing off with K- uh, Kramer Hickok, another Texas boy. This is a great um, name. What a great name. Yeah, we played together on the Canadian Tour. He was actually the money money winner of the year that I played out there. A really good guy. Um, you know, I'm not picking him just because he's a good guy, but <laughs> he's he's. He's priced right at sixty seven hundred, and he's a he's a he's a Texas boy, and uh, uh, he's 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 made the cut the last two weeks. But at sixty seven hundred, if he gets a little momentum, um, you never know. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I got. It's a, it's a weird week, you know. Like I said, like you said, Mikey, with when playing a playing an event that doesn't uh, have any course history uh, on the PGA Tour, it's hard to kind of pick these guys and to kind of see who who will play well, but. Um, we shall see. I, I would imagine that uh, Jordan Spieth uh, will have a good week. The only thing that scares me out there is there's a lot of tall grass typically, and if he gets a little wayward with his driver, it, it, it's not like – and I don't know if, if they've got it set up the way that they've had in the past, but if they do have the tall grass up and he starts getting a little sporadic with his driver, um, he could make some big numbers. But if not – if it's if it's all playable, then I feel like it's pretty open for the most part. He'll he'll have a good week. Cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, gents. Good show. Not thanks to any of the four of us, but to our <laughs> special guest. And uh we'll see everyone uh next week. I'll be drunk after member guest. Woo-hoo! And we'll <laughs> we'll have a we'll have a good old time. So again, thank you to all of our listeners. Look out on social media. And please tell all your friends 
Uh, just blast it. Just play at your desk. Just play <laughs> Emergency Nine podcast as loud as you can, so people ask, "Oh, what the hell is that?" When they're asking you to turn it down. But again, tell everyone. Uh, help us get our our likes and follows and subscribers and listeners and all that fun stuff that I still haven't got to figure out yet. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. All right, boys. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Later.